thank you everyone for joining us on episode 8 of the Computomics podcast. We will continue our discussion of biotechnology and the ways that it's serving the world. And one topic that's been coming up lately for us and something that we've been really excited to talk about is the incorporation of drones or UAVs into the agricultural landscape. And today we thought it would be interesting to have a conversation around these topics with Larissa Golovko. She's the owner of Landvisor um, and she has been interested in this topic for already a decade and more. So Larissa, welcome. Thank you, Anna. I'm glad to be here with you. Maybe you can give us a short introduction of how you got into this field, what drones and UAVs and UASs mean to you, um, and just sort of welcome us to the topic. Well, um, I'm originally from Russia, and um, I'm not grown up on the farm, but I come from the family of soil scientists and um, geologists. And um, my dad was um, working and was professor at Moscow State University in uh, soil physics. Soil physics is basically um, the all kind of methods measuring soil physical property, be it water content, um, clay content, like texture, structure, how water moves in soil, even like how fertilizer moves in soil. So I've been, you know, exposed to this through my childhood. I worked at Rutgers University. While doing that, I started Landvisor. Um, invented their short handheld electrical conductivity meter called LandMapper and um, I've been using like applying sensors to agriculture applications like measuring how fertilizers impact soil like you can map the soils with it you can do a lot of stuff but basically what I'm trying to focus um, GIS and you know sensors, be it electrical conductivity, precision agriculture, it started about maybe 20 years ago and really pick up lately maybe two, three, I mean five years with um, explosion of this unmanned uh, UAVs and short drones. But the drone is just a vehicle. I mean you can you see land mapper, you use a sensor and you can walk, stick it in the soil and take a measurement. You can go with a just normal camera and take a pictures and it's, you still, it's a sensor. Um, but how you go, and then you put the camera on the drone. Then this is like, you still collecting pictures. What do you do with this information? How do you analyze it? This is actually, um, Right, that's that's the interesting part that you have to make sure that you are using the technology in a way that is resourceful and useful and is actually getting you to the results that you want. So just sending a drone and capturing millions of pictures without a way to make that useful isn't really going to serve anybody except for the companies storing those pictures. <laughs> so- Get out of hand pretty quickly because like, um, also, I don't know if the audience is interested to know that, you know, you can just take a, what they call visual spectrum. Basically, every picture you take is um, capturing three, what they call bands, 
the red, um, uh, green, and blue. Uh-huh. And that's like how we see the pictures. But in agriculture and in other application, it's can be very useful, not only like visual, but um, other spectrum, like which human eyes cannot see, called near-infrared. And then using like four bands, so adding like a near-infrared band, you can deduct a lot of information about like crop health, crop crop stress, like water stress very easily, or like is the crop mature? Is like you, is it ready to harvest? Uh, sometimes in in different crops, like I was working um, long, like 15 years with a um, rice breeding company, and uh, like particularly you can deduct when like um, grain is ready to harvest uh-huh. um, from those um, if you just add one near infrared band but uh-huh. I also worked with some sensors that companies who, on the market like um, which not really develop drones but they develop those sensors and there's uh-huh. like six band system there there's some companies u- utilizing like thermal um, so it's a different range of yeah, it's amazing because the amount of data, like you said, can really get out of hand quickly. And initially what I see is that people think, oh, great, the more data, the better, right? So if I capture, maybe I don't know what to do with it, but if I just capture it, then I'll know what to do with it at some point. And I think what's really disappointing is when you realize that for a lot of these uh, clients or interactions, the data actually just ends up sitting around somewhere without really be, being useful, right? So what do you think are the key metrics to really make sure that this data captured by these devices with whatever sensors a company decides to use, that it's actually useful for somebody? You know, what have you seen with your experience can make this data actually produce results? Well, the data in itself, like it's, it, I've seen a lot that, yes, like you said, uh, the collecting data is a case of point and um, people say, well, we are data driven, we are, but unless you are, have an algorithm, I mean, I think the keyword here would be the algorithm or, right. you know, something like an easy system for the customer, for client, for, for researcher to in like integrated data like you collected like some sensor information some say uh, drone imagery uh, how do you integrate it with soil um how you integrate it with the um, weather was happening uh-huh. how you integrate it with actual crop records which normally all the you know agriculturists collect like when the crop like emerge when the crop start flowering when the harvest this, if you can even just integrate without even algorithm, you can sort of layer information on top of each other. And uh-huh. and that's what actually, what GIS is called, Geographical Information System, right? Even before drones were there, uh, everything. Um, GIS started as a, you know, so you can put those layers digitally on the computer. In 1960s, Environmental Science Research Institute ESRI sort of in, in California, they made from the paper maps, they make the jump and they build a software which people can lay information around. And since then, I mean, 
there's like what 50 years ago and they pretty much became their de facto um they invented their world word gis right and the uh -huh. whole technology so now this um i would say again explosion of this is a easy collecting data yeah. then we have open source um you know GIS platforms, we have open source like languages like Python and others, which people and some modules, algorithm already there. But in in agriculture, in the breeding, and I think this is like we are now the company who would focus on connecting the dots, so to speak, right? Connecting right. the data and building and deriving those algorithms or maybe already derived i know computomics did like quite a few strides on this direction right uh, so that would be i guess that's where you get the, the value out of internet yeah that's really what i i see as well in my interactions is that um you know sometimes people ask us well what what really sets you apart you know and it's the answer really is the algorithms. It's the way that we combine and make sense of information. And it's a little bit hard to demonstrate for people, right? Because um, we don't know their information and it's hard to really convince somebody when you demonstrate making sense of somebody else's information, but it really is the way that you take a lot of data and you connect it and make insights from those connections because of course, a plant isn't, you can't measure a plant just with images, right? You need to know, like you mentioned, the environment, it's genetics. Um, you need to know a lot of things about it to really understand and predict what's going to happen next. And again, just understanding without a prediction for the future is also useless, right? So it doesn't help you if you understand something, if you can't do anything without understanding. Um, so. I definitely agree with you that it's the algorithms, it's the way that data is put together um, that's really going to to make a difference. And the other thing that I wanted to say is that um, I think the collection frequency of data is often extremely bloated in these situations. We've done quite a number of analyses where we've seen that people can collect 10 times less data and produce the same results, right? Um, depending on what they really need the data for. For example, weather data, they don't need hourly forecasts. Yeah, I, so. I have experience with exactly that. We had like uh, collecting, um, I mean, subscribed for the service, which, um, you know, weather data was coming every 15 minutes. Yes. And then we realized that, like, yeah, maybe hourly data. And we can actually build a model using hourly data, but in the long run, we ended up actually using daily minimum and maximum temperature because exactly. we can this was unified unified data source at across the globe and it was really available and yes. and it actually given get better results get not better it's more applicable you know yes. more practical more right. so more useful more useful and sometimes yes people get excited we can have six bands right um <laughs> i collected last year like um, 1.5 terabytes of this imagery only maybe from 20 fields and like yeah. a few flights uh, that like where do we store i mean we could store it but in the efficient way to actually people act on those data 
Mm-hmm. We right. end up not really utilizing it. I mean, it's right. safe. It's 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 there. It, it it was good insight on many many projects, but the system was not there to really pull the information. To pull out, the information, right? actually make it actionable. And I mean, it's a cool technology, but regulations are not allowing to operate as it intended right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting the limitations the same that when we talk about for example cannabis breeding uh, you know that the concept of what we can do for cannabis and hemp breeders is so different than what we can actually do because of the regulation right so in the same sense that you think oh let's just let all these things fly around but really there's a lot more depth there than than what you can think about well um as a final question, maybe I can ask you what you imagine to be the future for Landvisor and also for drones and agriculture in general. And um, how would somebody contact you and why, you know, who would you want to contact you um, for partnerships or? Well, I guess future is, like I said, future is an in, uh, in integration of the systems and an algorithm. Um, we are as a um, geophysical equipment company, it is a Equip, I mean, a lot of experience, particularly in agriculture and near surface geophysics. So you can go to landvisor.com and um, see all the contact information, um, uh, call, email. You know, we have, um, you know, office in Houston. Um, we have a connection in a company in, in Europe and in Prague and in, in Russia. Uh-huh. Um so I'm just open for any partnership, how we can merge different system, different um, information together. And, yeah. Great. Well, thanks so much for joining me, and I hope we continue working together. Sure, yeah. Thank you everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I hope you learned something about the importance of using the right amount of data and data that will serve a purpose, data that will help you along the way instead of just collecting mass amounts of data. That's definitely something that we help our clients with and would be happy to work with you and your GIS data to make it useful and beneficial for your agriculture needs. If you would like to contact us, please go to our website, computomics.com. Feel free to reach out to Landvisor and Larissa, and we hope to hear from you soon.